take a seat. I'm going to read from Acts um, chapter 17, verses um, 16 to 32. And it's page 1113 in the Church Bible. Okay, so Acts chapter um, 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace day by day, and those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we'd like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek and and seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. Great, thanks, Hannah. Um, If you're able to see a Bible, um, keep it open in front of you at that uh, that page, that'd be brilliant. Acts chapter 17. Um, We're carrying on our our series um, that we've been looking at. We've been working our way through this um, book in the Bible called Acts. It's uh, Luke's second volume um, that has much to say about how the Christian message uh, made it from Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to people in Beeston, um, 2,000 years later, 3,000 or so miles away. Uh, That's what we've been exploring together. How is it that people got to believe uh, the message about Jesus? How is it they came to to understand it? Well, I want to ask you a question as we think about uh, this subject. Um, How can we know what God is like? 
Uh, if you're someone that's not used to coming to church, and I wonder if you've ever puzzled that question, if there, if there is a God who's really there, uh, how can we know him? How might we get to know him? Uh, people have all sorts of different ideas, don't they, about how we might uh, get to know God and uh, how we know what he's like. Uh, I bet, uh, kids, in your school, in your playground, in your classroom, or in your office, if you're at work, uh, those grown-ups amongst you, there'll be all sorts of different ideas about what God's like and how we might know him. Uh, some people even say, well, I, we don't, I don't think there really is a God. Uh, that's a, a, probably a minority view, really. Uh, most people, whether they call themselves a Christian or a, a Muslim or, or spiritual, think that there's, probably, there's at least something more, uh, something bigger than us. Uh, we know that because most of the things that make it to our screens uh, or the books that we read um, sort of buy into that longing to be part of something bigger, uh, for there to be real meaning to be found in the world. I've never watched a Disney film that has a song in it that says, well, life is just meaningless and utterly pointless. Let's just, you know, what should we do? No, they, they sing about love and living forever and uh, finding your place in the, the biggest story, aren't they? Or think about what happens uh, in our own day when bad things happen, like the war in Ukraine or covid all over the news and across Facebook or social media or whatever it is that you use, there were hashtags, pray for Ukraine or pray for this situation. But what do we mean by pray and, and who to? Uh, we instinctively think that, well, there must be something bigger than us, someone that has some sort of control over us. And the city of Athens was exactly like Beeston is today. Uh, people loved talking about spiritual things and discussing different ideas. That's what Luke tells us in the, the passage that we just read, didn't we? Uh, and in this passage, Luke wants to show us how it was that Paul told people about Jesus in a city like that, a city much like Nottingham. Uh, because so far in the book of Acts, Paul had gone to places that, uh, that, of people that were just like him. He was a, 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 he'd grown up as a Jewish man and become a Christian, and so he'd gone to the various synagogues and said, look, because of the resurrection of Jesus, you can know that Jesus is God's king. But now he's talking to people that, well, they're not really waiting for God's king. So how do you talk to people about Jesus like that? It's important to figure that out because look down at sentence number 18. What happens when some people who are not Jewish listen to him? They said this, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. See, they don't really understand anything that Paul's saying, do they? Uh, they think he's talking about two new gods that they need to think about, Jesus and the resurrection. Lots of people think that's what they thought Paul was talking about. And so Paul goes to, their, uh, goes to their club, if you like. He goes to this place called the Areopagus where they all got together to think about and discuss ideas. And he says three things to them. He says, because Jesus has been raised from the dead, that's how he ends his talk, doesn't he? God has given proof of this 
by raising Jesus from the dead. He says, because Jesus has been raised from the dead, uh, we belong to God. Caleb, I've left the clicker. Can you skip over? Uh, We belong to God. Now, I think that we're quite strange because most people, like I said, tend to think if there is a God that he must be bigger than us, that he must have perhaps made us or at least made everything. But then the puzzle is, like, why do we live as though he's not really bigger than us and that we can control him? And one of the ways that we do that is that we build buildings for him. And we tell people that if they're to know this God and get to know him, they've got to live in a particular way, that they need to sing certain songs to him or do things for him. It kind of gives this idea that sort of God's distant and far away, uh, that he needs us to do things for him, that he's a bit lonely, and if only human beings would, you know, talk to him, then we can make him feel a bit better. Uh, But then we tend to build buildings that help us to think that he is bigger than us, that we don't have any control over him. We build big buildings like cathedrals and temples because we want people to see that God is, or whoever it is we're talking about, is powerful or he's beautiful. Uh, We build things and do things that make us feel hopeful that he's listening to us, that that we can be secure, that places that enable us to celebrate and and cherish whatever it is that we think God's like. And by the way, that's not just religious people that follow the world's religions. Uh, People who don't have a religious belief do this as well. Uh, They might not build a cathedral, uh, but we do all the same things that people do in temples in shopping centres, don't we? Uh, It's a place we go and join with others and say, this is where life is. Uh, This will bring me hope and happiness This will give me security and a a sense of identity. And so we keep the God of money and stuff alive by sacrificing our wages to him and our time or our credit card balance, whatever it is. Uh, We do this all the time. But Paul says, look, Jesus has been raised, which means that we can know what God is like. That's what he says to them. He says, look down at sentence number two. People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an unnoted to these, with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. So this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And then he goes on to unpack a little bit of the Bible story. And he's given proof of this by raising Jesus from the dead. So Paul says, look, because Jesus has been raised, it means that we can know what God is like. And because Jesus shows us what God is like, well, we can know that we belong to him. Because if Jesus had been raised, then God has got to be much bigger than buildings, hasn't he? If he's able to triumph and conquer and have victory over death itself, what makes you think he needs anything from us? He's not up there waiting for us to reach up to him. We don't have control over him. No, we're dependent on him. From him comes life. He made us, everything we have, every breath we take, every cell in your brain that enables you to have the gifts and talents that you do, they come from him. 
And the proof is, well, Jesus has been raised. He showed us that that God is really, really there. Second thing, Caleb, you can flick on. Jesus' resurrection also means that, that we can know God. See, we do love the idea of there being someone to cry out to, someone that would hear our prayers. Often hear people say that, well, we're, aren't we all God's children? And that's what the people in Athens said. We are God's offspring. Paul quotes one of their poets in verse 28. Uh, They were very much like us. But again, we say that we're God's offspring, but we then have a really strange ideas about what it might mean to be God's offspring. Because people tend to say, well, I'm going to believe in God, and the God that I'm going to believe in is going to have all the same values as me, and let me live the life that I really want to live. Now, that's a really odd thing to say to someone you think is bigger than you and more powerful than you, isn't it? Well, think of it like this. If we give this illustration. Now, I know not everybody knows their biological parents, but just for a second, imagine saying to your mum and dad, look, you can be my parents as long as you give me wonderful ginger hair. As long as you make me six foot two and enable me to play rugby for England. You can have rights over my life, well, if you let me live this particular way. Well, that's a ridiculous thing to say to your parents. You can't say that, can you? You are their kind of, their creation. You are who you are because you were made by them. But we do that with God all the time, don't we? We say, I'll let you be God in my life if, well, you let me be this kind of person, if you hold the same values as me and love and hate the things that I love and hate. Now, the Bible says that it uses a little word called sin to describe that attitude and says that's one of the reasons why our, is the, probably the, is the main reason why our relationship with God is ruined, why you and I deserve to lose God forever. Uh, why rightly he should want nothing to do with us. But uh, Paul says that Jesus' resurrection means that you can know that God, that he came to fix that relationship with God, that, that he actually wants us to know him. That's what Paul says. Uh, look down at sentence number 25. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives life to everyone. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. It's amazing, isn't it, what Paul says here. He says, look, God has acted in history so that people might know him. In other words, the reason you live where you live and you know the people that you know and the reason you're here this afternoon is because God wants you to know that you can know him too. That's what Jesus' resurrection means. It means that Jesus is who he says he is and all that he said about how people can have a right relationship with God is really true that we can know God as he knows God, as Father. 
It's one of the main reasons Christians love to celebrate Christmas, because at Christmas we celebrate that God became man so that man might know God again. He lived the life that we were made to live and died the death that we deserve to die for the way that we treat him, and he's risen again so that we might know him as our father as we were created to know him. Jesus' resurrection means we can know God. It means that we could, there is a God who's really there that's bigger than us, and there's a God that really wants to be known by us. Jesus invites us through him to know God as the father that we've lost. And thirdly, Jesus' resurrection means we need to respond to it. It's quite striking, isn't it, how Paul ends his talk. Uh, Look down uh, at sentence uh, number 30. Talking to these people, uh, Paul says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this by raising him from the dead. Paul ends his little talk by saying, Jesus' resurrection means that every one of us has to make a decision about what we're going to do with Jesus. His resurrection means he's really there. His resurrection means God is inviting you to know him, to be forgiven for rejecting him and and know the life that you were created to have. And therefore, you've got to make a decision about it. Because there's a day coming when you will meet this Jesus face to face. The proof is that he's been raised from the dead. Uh, He's coming back to judge. He's fixed the day when he will ask us, uh, what have you done with Jesus? Well, it's been great, hasn't it, to listen to Johnny's story. And for those of us who who know him well, it's been wonderful to watch God's work in his life. And great to see him baptized uh, to show that he's responded to the truth about Jesus. He wants everyone to know that. And it's wonderful to, to share in that with him. And hearing Johnny's story should remind us all that God really wants to know us personally. It wants a real relationship with each one of us through Jesus. And that that forgiveness is possible, as Johnny really helpfully said, is simply a prayer away. All you need is nothing. Because the God who's really there wants to give you everything. That's what he's like. And the resurrection is the proof. Because Jesus has been raised. The God Jesus shows us is the real God that we can know and have relationship with. Finally, just look down. Uh, There's no slide for this bit. But look down at what happens after Paul speaks. Verse, uh, sentence 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Three responses. Uh, sneering. What a ridiculous message. Friends, if that's you this morning, we're re- uh, this afternoon, we're really glad you're here. Thanks for coming. I hope you found what, we're, what you'll see and what you've heard helpful. Uh, but if you're here and want to think, actually, what he's just said, that's got big implications if it's true. We'd love to help you 
puzzle it out more. Why not come to our carol services? Uh, come and uh, find out more about who Jesus is and what he's done. Ask your questions. Uh, bring your doubts. Uh, we'd love to engage with those. But there might be some who just say, no, it's only a prayer away, so today's the day. Uh, this is the kind of prayer that Christians pray every day. Uh, Father, sorry for living in your world as though you weren't really there. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Please help me to live with you, with Jesus as my king. That's the kind of thing I pray most days because that's all I've got. <laughs> uh, and if you want to pray that with me now, before we see Johnny baptised, then let's bow our heads uh, and pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we are really sorry that we make up what you're like so that we can live how we like in your world. Uh, we've not made a great... It's just so obvious that's such a, a silly way to live as we look at the brokenness around us. But thank you for sending Jesus into the world so that we might know you, that we might be forgiven and have relationship with you. Please would you help us to live with you uh, with Jesus as our, as our King. Because I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.